four already. Can you believe it? It's going fast. Um, so we spent the first three sessions talking about prophecy. We did some activations and some demonstrations. And prophecy is going to weave its way through all of it. But tonight I specifically want to talk about visions. Visions can be very prophetic. Visions are very misunderstood. Um, some people just think you're nuts. And that's okay. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I used to care, but... So I know, um, I know some people get nervous when you hear someone say, God showed me this, or I saw this vision, and people get really nervous about that sometimes. Um, my goal in the next two weeks, we're going to spend two weeks on this, is to make you see how normal it should be. It should be normal for us. We have Holy Spirit living inside of us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of us, and he gives gifts according to his will. And so this should be so natural for us. So my goal really is not to hype any of this at all, but just to, to let you see that this is for everybody. Everybody can expect this. So we're going to do a lot of scripture tonight. And uh, we did, I think our second night, we did a lot of scripture. Um, I just feel like it's so important to have a biblical background for this. You don't need to trust me. You need to trust what the word says. So if anybody, if anybody draws you to themselves to trust them, I'd be careful about that. It's, it's the Lord. You know, my, my job is just to maybe share some of the things he shared with me. But my job is not to get you to follow me. That's not what I want. So I think, I think fear is the number one reason people stay away from spiritual things. We see it in the new age. We see all the weirdness out there. We see some of the same terms you're going to hear me saying. And we've already heard them out in the new age. And that freaks people out. And they think, oh my gosh, you're being new age. No, they stole it from us. I mean, every word I'm going to use is in the Bible. The devil can't create anything. All he can do is change it to the way he wants it to look. He's a counterfeiter. So you might hear these words, enlightenment, spiritual gifts, all those things. Um, out at Burning Man, my goodness, those people use those words all the time. But they were looking at things from the wrong source. We're going to look at things from the right source. So you don't have to be afraid of these words. They're all, they're all in scripture. Um, before this series is over, we're going to really cover discernment because we want to be safe. And we don't have to be afraid, but we do need to study and learn about discernment. We're not going to do that tonight. There will be sprinkles of it probably in everything but don't worry, we're going to cover that really well. Um, that was my biggest fear. I didn't want to be misled. And with me, it was so interesting how God did things with me. I was kind of isolated all by myself, and he started showing me stuff, and it was stuff I hadn't heard other people talk about. And I knew it was him, but at the same time, I, I thought, well, I've never heard anybody say that before. 
But then I just kept seeking. He would send someone along. I would hear something. I would read something in the Word, and it would be like, oh, okay, that's what that is. So my goal really with y'all is to let it be a little easier than it was for me. <laughs> um, I think I'm just one of those people that gets to do stuff the hard way. Um, God told me one time one of my names is Trailblazer. Well, when you blaze the trail, you have to cut the path. And so that's harder work. But the joy of that is to cut the path so that you guys can run right behind me, okay? And then with me. So it, it doesn't bother me that it was hard for me, but I want it to be easier for you. If I can do that, then I feel like I've accomplished something. Um, before I get started, I do want to give an apology. Last week, I might have gotten a little carried away joking about the church. Um, I'm used to sharing with this group as my family. You know, like we're family in here. And you know how you can talk about your family, but nobody else can? <laughs> so I, feel, I, I didn't stop and think that there might be visitors here that might take that wrong. So if I offended anybody, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean it that way. Um, I joke about the church I grew up in because we went through some crazy stuff. <laughs> I mean, we did. And then the Baptist church, you know, we joke about it because God's brought more so far. But the only reason they were there in the first place was because they learned to seek God and to love his word in the Baptist church. So... It was not my intention. If I offended anybody, I really apologize, okay? If somebody's not here and you think they were offended, please tell them I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Okay, so let's talk about visions. Um, we'll start. We've used this scripture before. It's the first one up. Um, this is Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I'm, I'm probably going to tell you all this up 10 more times before we're done. So he's praying that the eyes of their heart will be enlightened. So there's that word, enlightened. You don't have to be afraid of it. God enlightens us. And I, I think I said it one night. They think they're being enlightened, but they're actually going into darkness. So enlightenment is for us. Um, I think it was the second week. I said that every believer has two sets of eyes. We have our physical eyes that we just look around the world. But Paul speaks in this scripture of that second set of eyes. Those eyes in here. And those can be enlightened to perceive spiritual truth. Um, we can trust that, y'all. We can learn to cultivate that. Um, I'll talk about this a little bit later. But people have this idea that unless you see this full-on vision like at the drive-in, that it doesn't mean anything. And, and I'll just tell you that's not the normal way God's going to show you things. Some people get to see that. I've seen a few things that way, but mostly it's in here. And I'll show you in the Greek. I'm actually going to give you some Greek words tonight. <laughs> that the Greek 
it it gives the same level of credence to inner and outer vision. So, so it doesn't matter. So let's do the next scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. And I'm just going to read this. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit and to another, the word of knowledge, according to the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit. Do you think they're trying to drill something into our head here? It's the same spirit. And to another um, faith by the same spirit. And to another gifts of healing by one spirit. And I'm going to break in and say we are going to have a healing service during these weeks. Okay. I want to give my testimony. And I, I want you to bring your sick friends. And we're going to have a healing service. And to another, the effecting of miracles, and to another, prophecy, and to another, the distinguishing of spirits, which is discernment, to another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. He wills. So I want to tell you to me, the number one thing that will shut you down quicker than anything, and it's comparison. We cannot compare what God gives us with what he gives someone else, okay? Either you think you're better than someone and you get really prideful, that's not good, or you feel like you're lesser and then you won't even use what God gave you. So comparison is like the death to spiritual gifts. We just cannot do it. Um, and, and I want to tell you, people that are w walking in high levels of prophetic things, I promise you they paid a big price for it. So before you say, Ugh, I want what they have, just there's a big price for it, okay? It's, it's worth it. It's worth it. But don't just assume that God just laid something on someone and they didn't pay for it. Because they paid for it. Okay, our first Greek word. Um, the first couple are about dreams because dreams are a type of a vision. And so we'll just cover those real quickly. I plan to spend two to three weeks on dreams by themselves because it's a big topic. So number one is onar. And I'll probably butcher these words. <laughs> I have no idea how to pronounce them. It's a common Greek word for dream. It refers to the kind of dreaming we all do when we sleep. Okay, so this is common, but listen to the examples of these common dreams. The angel appeared to Joseph, telling him to take Mary as his wife in Matthew 1.20. Joseph was instructed to flee to Egypt with Mary and Jesus to save their life in Matthew 2.13. And then he was instructed to return from Egypt in Matthew 2.19. These are common dreams, and they changed history. 
Okay, dreams are important. Number two, enupnion, refers to a vision or dream received while asleep. And I know that sounds a little funny, but you can actually dream when you're awake. It's kind of more like a, like a trance. The difference in this is it stresses a surprise quality contained in that dream. Acts 2.17, and it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So that phrase, shall dream dreams, actually means to be given up to dream by dreams. This is the kind of dream that really sticks with you when you wake up. Okay. Um, when we talk about dreams, I'm going to tell you how important it is to write them down. Because most dreams, you wake up, if you go start your coffee pot, it's gone. <laughs> okay. But sometimes there are these kind of dreams that just really stick with you. And I love the Greek because it's so precise. It tells you all these different things. So number three, we have horama, a general term for vision, meaning that which is seen. It carries the sense of a spectacle, sight, or appearance. New Testament examples commonly associated with this words, uh, associate this word with waking visions. You actually can have visions while you're dreaming. If you have a vision within a dream, that's a big deal. You want to search that out. So Matthew 17, 9, the Mount of Transfiguration, that's this word, horama. Acts 9, 10 through 12, Ananias gets instructions to go to Saul, and Saul is told Ananias is coming. It's a pretty big deal. Um, can you imagine poor Ananias? Here they're all scared of Saul coming to kill him, drag him off to prison, and God sends him this vision to go and, you know, heal his eyes. <laughs> be kind of a tough assignment. But he probably needed that vision to have the faith to go do it. Acts 10, 3 through 4, an angel instructed Cornelius to send for Peter, and Peter is given a vision, so he will go to Cornelius, who's a Gentile. Y'all, that was breaking the law. It was against the law for Peter to go to a Gentile's home like that. And so God had to give him this vision to give him the grid for it. Like it went against everything he had been taught his whole life, everything. So visions can really be good for giving you a new perspective on things. Sometimes God will show you so that you can, I mean, we just don't have a grid for things sometimes, just the way we're raised our life experience. And so visions are really important. Lost my place. Let's see. Oh, and then Acts 16, 9 through 10, Paul's Macedonian call. That was a really big deal too. Number four is horasis. It refers to sight or vision in either an external or internal sense. The Greek language makes no distinction between the perception of the physical eye and the non-physical eye, both external and internal seeing are regarded as genuine perception. I think that's a big deal. Um, I'll tell you why. Most people, when they hear you say, I had a vision, God showed me something, they think 
you're looking at it like I'm looking at y'all right now. And it, they're excited. And then it's funny how many people want to know how you saw it. And when you tell them, well, I saw it in here, they're like, oh. And all of a sudden, they act like it's no big deal anymore. Well, the Greek language makes no difference here. So I think we have to get past that. Um, I know just figuring out that some of the things I was seeing were really visions was a big step for me because I thought it would be like that. I thought you would see it with your open eyes. And so, and then Carol, I used to give her a hard time. <laughs> She'd say, I saw this, and I'd say, and what is that? <laughs> it took her quite a while before she would say the V word. <laughs> it was a vision. When a vision occurs, it's sometimes difficult to know if you're seeing in the spirit or in the natural or both. And people ask you, they, it's funny how people want details, and sometimes it's really hard to know. And I like this comment, and a lot of this stuff, I forgot to say it, that I'm getting is from a book by James Gall, Gall called The Seer. And that's a fantastic book. It helped me so much. It really helped me understand some things. Um, when our spiritual eyes are open, sometimes our natural eyes can see into the spiritual realm. And I've had experiences like that where the Lord, he's always worked with me where I have to write everything down. That's just how it works with me. And I'd be in the middle of this amazing thing, and he'd say, go get your journal. <laughs> and I'd think, I don't want to, because I was always scared it's going to stop. Well, if I wouldn't get up, it would stop. And so I'd say, okay, okay. I'll go get it. <laughs> and so it was so funny the way he's always worked with me. He would let me catch up. I would write down to right where I was, and it would pick right back up where it left off. And I didn't know anybody that it happened to like that, and I used to wonder about it. Well, then he called me to write books, and now I know because I have it written exactly like it happened. Because at the end of something, if you go back and try to give the details, it's really hard because it can be really overwhelming. So he's just, I've always had to do it that way. Um, it's really, really important not to judge the validity of a vision by whether it was seen open-eyed or internally. One's more exciting, but they're both equally valid. It's just a really important point. Number five, Optasia. Visuality, or in concrete form, apparition, don't be scared of that word, it's in the Bible, has a very special connotation of self-disclosure or of letting oneself be seen. Um, it's always in the context of someone seeing a divine or spiritual person. So we can't just see them. They have to allow themselves to be seen. So in Luke 1, Zechariah saw the angel Gabriel. That's this word. And he was told Elizabeth would have a son. And on a side note, he didn't really believe him and what happened to him. <laughs> I mean, you guys, we don't have to be afraid of anything spiritual, but they carry power. And we need to respect that power. In Luke 24, 22 through 23, Jesus revealed himself on the road to Emmaus. 
They had been talking for a long ways, but they never saw who he was till he allowed himself to be seen. That's this word. Second Corinthians 12, one through four, Paul was caught up to paradise. In this instance, not only does the vision involve seeing a divine or angelic person, the person seeing the vision may see themselves participating it from a third person perspective. In other words, you're watching yourself do something. This made, when I read this, it was like an epiphany moment for me because so many times I, I didn't really have anybody to talk to about this stuff. And that's what would happen to me a lot. I would see myself doing things and sometimes go back and forth, but I knew it was God, but I just hadn't heard anybody say that before. And when I read this, it just impacted me so much. It was just like, okay, it's all right. And it just helped me. So when you have questions, just keep looking. I mean, God's going to show it to you. It was kind of funny, though. This made such an impact on me that when I reread it a few years ago, I was shocked that it was one sentence. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking it was like a half a chapter or something because it made such an impact on me. But it was because it was a question I had. My biggest thing all along has just been to have integrity and to not make anything up and to not change anything. And so I want to understand what I'm seeing and what I'm doing. So that was just, that helped me so much. In 2 Kings six fifteen through 17, Elisha prays that his servant's eyes would be open to see the angelic army surrounding them. Elijah already saw him. But his servant was afraid, and so he prayed and asked God to open his eyes. This shows that we can pray for someone else to be enlightened. Again, don't be scared of that word enlightened. It's for us. Um, tonight, after I'm finished with this, I want to pray for impartation for anybody who wants it. Because I believe God wants to give us so much more than what we have. I want so much more than what I have. Um, so one of my goals with these classes is to help you navigate some of the questions that come with navigating through unfamiliar territory. Because it's, it's just, it's uncomfortable sometimes. It's just hard to know sometimes. And like I said before, I would really love to save you some of the pain that I had to walk through to figure it out. Um, there was a really well-known prophetic speaker, and he would talk about his encounters. I'm not going to say his name. Um, and he always said they were so powerful that they left him on his face, just overwhelmed, almost, almost fearful, just like so overwhelming. And I was really confused, and I really looked up to this person. I'd seen him personally several times, learned so much from him. But one time he said he was always suspect of anyone's encounters that didn't leave them on their face trembling and overwhelmed. He even used an example of someone saying, they went to the throne room and sat on God's lap, like really sarcastic. That really hurt me because I've been to the throne room and I've sat on God's lap. <laughs> 
I went there as a little girl and I stood on his feet and I danced with him just like I used to with my dad. So when he said that, it really hurt me. And I thought, am I, am I wrong? Am I missing something? And I knew I wasn't, but those words really left this nagging thing inside of me. Um, it really bothered me. Um, so most of the time for me, Jesus, especially in the beginning, y'all, I was just a broken, burned out forest. <laughs> I asked Alyssa to sing that song because I used to sit in the back of the church and just cry when she would sing that. Um, that's who I was at the time. I was that burned out forest and that dry riverbed. And then what I loved about that song was there I was, but there was the promise of what he was going to bring me. And it was so it was so fun to sit here and think, wow, 16 years ago, I was in the back bawling, thinking life was over. And it's just amazing. It's just amazing what God will do if you don't stop. So anyway, when Jesus comes to me, especially in the beginning, I was totally overwhelmed, but it was with his love. Like he just... He just overwhelmed me with his love and what he thought about me. And, and so this comment really bothered me. I just didn't know how to reconcile that. Um, one day I was listening to Graham Cook. And you'll hear me say these people's names. Y'all, I was seeking, and I'm still seeking. I'm always looking to learn more and to know more, to understand more. And um, this just sealed the deal for me. Graham said that God will have one major way that he relates to us in our lives. We can see all of the aspects, but there will be one overriding theme for each person. And Graham says for him, it's the kindness of God. And if you've ever listened to him, he says that all of the time. God is the kindest person I know. And as soon as he said that, Holy Spirit just spoke it to my heart. God reveals himself to me with his love. And it just settled that question. I've never thought twice about it again. So don't let what someone else says make you feel like you're more or less than you are. And, you know, I think he really made a mistake in, in talking about it that way. Because what he did was he was judging other people's experiences by his experiences. We can't do that. We have to have discernment and judge according to what the word says, not according to our experiences. It's really important. We can hurt people that way. Um, I know this was a God thing because about two weeks ago, I never, doing this class and with work and stuff, I just haven't had time to listen to other things. And the same person... I just happened to see he had a little broadcast on, and I listened. And he's been through a couple of hard years. And, uh, man, his theology has changed. <laughs> he was talking about the love of God, and just it made me happy for him because I really started praying for him because I felt like that's hurtful to people. And I, I really started praying that God would reveal himself and reveal you know, there are other aspects of the supernatural than just the awe-inspiring on your face. 
you know, kind of thing. So I just thought it was so interesting that I heard that just probably two weeks ago. Um, it could have really stopped me in my tracks. And the enemy tried. So I was very insecure, very broken. And when he said that, instantly the enemy just started attacking me. And it's like, see, you're just stupid. You don't hear from God. And it could have shut me down right then. But I just couldn't stop. And I just kept seeking. But it, it could have shut me down. And, and it might have shut other people down. I don't know. But it's just important what we say to people and how we judge things. So back in 2001, I told y'all I had that first prophetic word when God just threw me a lifeline. <laughs> I was just out in the sea drowning, and he threw me a lifeline. And uh, so he just met me so many times just with his love. It was just an amazing thing to me. Comfort, love, um, purpose, just all the things I felt like I didn't have. Um and, and worship, worship was so important to me at that time. I loved, it was, sometimes I think God brought Joanne here just for me. <laughs> Joanne McFadder, she was at our church for two years. And I would just come in and just close my eyes, and he would just like wash over me. And it didn't matter what I knew or didn't know. It was just like a way to be able to experience him. And he just started to change me through that process. Um, I think it helped me get past my mind and my current circumstances so I could hear what God was saying about me. Because I had a very low opinion of myself at the time. And that's why that song meant so much to me. Um, such a prophetic picture. You know, we can be we can be at the bottom. It doesn't matter, and God can just change everything. And really, all we have to do for that to happen is to allow it. You know, just to allow it to happen. Would you go ahead and put those words up? I know I told you at the end. I'm just gonna read them. You have redeemed my soul from the pit of emptiness. You've redeemed my soul from death. I was a hungry child, a dried up river. I was a burned up forest and no one could do anything for me. I knew that would make me cry. And that's really exactly how I felt. And I know some of you guys probably feel the same way. But if we just keep walking and we just keep believing, he can make that change in us. I'm not the same person I was at all. So once I started believing what God was saying to me about myself, he started to show me other things. 
And I picked three things. It's funny, I totally changed the ones I was going to share. I just felt like it was important. Um, I never want to make a big deal out of myself. I don't know why God chose to show me the things he's shown me. But I just feel like there are things that can help people. And so I want to share. Um, I think I picked these three things because he showed me in that very first year. And I was a mess back then. But he started to show me the stuff I did not believe was possible. And I really believe that when we see visions like that, it's just like getting a prophetic word. It not only opens our mind and our heart to the possibilities, but it releases spiritual power to bring it to pass. Now, it's not just a given. It's not just going to happen. We have to partner with him, and we have to take the steps he puts in front of us. But it was amazing to me that so early on he would show me these things, and I would just think, it's not possible. Uh, remember, I'm the super shy introvert, different school every year from fifth grade till senior, totally shut down, hide from people. Okay. And the first one, this was in February of 2002. This was like five months after he gave me that first prophetic word. Um, I named it Call to the Harvest. And so the way he works with me is he shows me stuff and I have to write it down. And so I'm just going to read you what I wrote in my journal. I got up this morning and made some coffee. I was going to sit down and look through a magazine, but I feel the Lord softly calling me. And can I say that he usually doesn't yell? Like if you're waiting for a big loud yell, you're going to miss him. It's usually really soft, and we always have a choice. But if I had continued to do what I was doing, I would have totally missed out on this. And that's happened to me time after time after time. So I put on the Healing Water CD by Todd Bentley. He was a speaker that came to Amarillo several times. And just God did some amazing stuff for me during those conferences. And I was waiting for God to meet with me. His presence is still and sweet as I wait. Suddenly, I begin to hear the sound of a shofar blowing. Cute, Carol. <laughs> Somehow, I know an angel is blowing the shofar, even though I can't see it. As the call goes forth, I see myself standing in the midst of a great multitude. Each time the shofar sounds, our numbers grow. I look down and see the earth below us. We are so high that the earth is blue, just like pictures I've seen from space. But there aren't any stars. There's only light. Somehow I know this call is for the harvest. Each person standing in this place is given a gleaming sickle to go out and gather in a great harvest of souls. I realize it isn't hard. It's like cutting through soft butter. That's, you could just feel that. All we have to do is swing our sickle, and the harvest is great. So I believe God gave me this vision to begin to change my perspective about myself. That's the last thing I would have thought about myself. I wasn't, that wasn't my personality. I wasn't that kind of person. God wasn't going to use me that way. 
And I was so broken and wounded at the time, I just couldn't imagine how it could be possible. I was also so scared of people. So that vision started a process inside of me of changing my perspective about myself. And, you know, once God releases something to you, he just gives you opportunities. And I can look back. I have 51 journals. They're not journals. They're great big notebooks. And I can just look back, and it's amazing to see. At the time, they felt like heart-stopping, scary. They were little bitty baby steps. <laughs> but each step you take takes you that much closer to where you're trying to get. Um, the second one I want to share was two months later in April of 2002. And I named it Bound and Gagged, Then Set Free by Jesus. And again, this is just like I wrote it in my, my journal. I was listening to the very end of Todd Bentley's tape, Fragrant Oil of Worship. He had everyone lay down before the Lord and soak. I just had this overwhelming ache in my heart and love for Jesus. I wanted to be with him so badly. I started to see myself as a young girl skipping and humming down a path. It looked real familiar to me. It, it made me think, oh, I used to be that way. It seemed like a park with big leafy trees and bushes. The sun was shining and bright. Then someone captured me and tied me up with thick ropes or cords. They were dark and heavy. They blindfolded me and put a gag in my mouth. I realized it was Satan. He had captured me and put me in bondage, and I was helpless. But then a man, Jesus, came walking back into the shadows where I was hidden. I could only see his form, but he was shining with light. He drew a glowing sword and cut my bonds and my blindfold and my gag. Freedom. Thank you, Jesus, for freedom. I don't have to be in bondage ever again. Freedom. I realized that life had continued on all around me, but I had been hidden in the shadows of bondage. I could hear people laughing and playing. They were totally unaware that I was even there, just beyond them in the shadows. And y'all, when I think about it, I felt that way for years. Like life was going on all around me, but I was just stuck in the shadows. And then I just, I, I pray a lot in my journal. And I just said, Lord, I don't understand exactly what happened in my life that let, uh, such, that let in so, such bondage. But thank you for freedom. I pray that you would repay seven times what the locust has eaten and what the canker worm has sought to destroy. I pray for total and complete healing in every area of my life, body, soul, and spirit. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for life. And I really think that's the first time I felt thankful for life in a long time. So I believe God gave me this vision to help me understand a little bit of where I was and why. Because, you know, sometimes we just don't know why we're where we are. The enemy truly had captured me through many circumstances in my life. It wasn't demonic. I wasn't demon-possessed, Okay. But there were so many circumstances that had dragged me down and just put me in bondage. 
and I felt helpless to be free. This vision gave me hope and faith and courage to believe that I was no longer a captive. Absolutely changed me. I began to believe that I could have freedom and happiness in my life and take steps to get there. I really, I didn't feel like I would. It's so funny, the first prophetic word I had, she said, and you don't feel like you'll ever have another day of happiness in your life. That was the truth. Life was just something you had to get through every day. So the third one was in August of 2002. And this one makes me laugh now. I called it Waking the Eagles. And I didn't know anything back then. I didn't know what eagles stood for. I didn't know anything. So I was listening to a CD called Reality of the Supernatural. In my spirit, I suddenly see myself as an eagle. I soar into the air and cry out with a cry of freedom. As I circle in the sky, I continue to cry out. This was fun. <laughs> I really like this one. Suddenly, I see many other eagles which are sleeping, and it seems so strange to me because they were all asleep. As I cry out, these eagles begin to wake up and shake themselves and prepare to fly. I observe more and more of them as they wake up and ready themselves to join me. In my spirit, I keep hearing, this is the gathering of the eagles. Well, eagles stand for prophets, for the prophetic. I, I, I probably couldn't have even written this down if I'd known what that meant at the time, because it seemed, one thing I knew was that I wasn't prophetic. <laughs> I didn't know what I was, but I knew I wasn't prophetic. So I believe God gave me this vision to begin the process of prophetic gifting in my life. Eagles represent the prophetic, and God showed me I was involved in waking other eagles. I feel like I'm getting to kind of do that right now, y'all. <laughs> it's exciting. It's exciting. At the time, I knew very little about prophetic things. And like I said, I knew I wasn't prophetic. But this vision introduced the idea that God could use me. So he can teach us so much through visions. Uh, when, when I really started paying attention, I could look back over my life, and I realized he had been showing me things my whole life. I just didn't. I didn't know how to focus on it. I didn't know how to pay attention to it. And I didn't really know he spoke to us that way. So I just thought I had a great imagination, you know. But it's so funny, in the last few years, God, every once in a while, he'll bring something to my mind. And I'll think, oh, my gosh, that was a vision. Um, one time, I can't even remember what song it was. I was over at Trinity Fellowship. I went to church there for 20 years. And they were singing this song, and I just saw this white horse come into the sanctuary, and Jesus was riding on him with the full banners, and the, and it just was so, but I had no idea I was actually seeing a vision. Like, I don't know what I thought. But later I thought, oh my gosh, I saw Jesus ride into the sanctuary, and I didn't even realize it. So, so much of this just has to be cultivated. And God is such a good father. 
You know, if, if we make a mistake, I always think about it this way. When my kids were learning how to walk, that first step they take, and then they fall down, you don't say, ah, you're stupid, you fell down. You get your phone out, you take a picture of it, you share it with all your friends, <laughs> right? He's the same way with us. So we're going to take some shaky steps and we're going to fall down. But he has grace for that. And it's all part of the process of growing. And it's all good. We expect that with our children. We're his children. So we can, I think we don't have to take ourselves so seriously. We can just relax and just, we can just relax and be his kids. And he's, you know, if we make a mistake, he's going to show us. But he's not going to quit giving us chances. And and to me, the thing I've learned more than anything is that he just loves us and cares for us. And he wants us to learn. He wants us to draw close to him. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. It's not a competition. It's not a you have to do this or don't mess up. It's nothing like that. It's just relationship with the creator of the universe. It's really amazing. I want to say one more thing about that. And we'll talk about this more during our sessions. At the time, the worst thing I could have done is to go share that with everybody. Okay? Those were for me. If I had shared those, um, it probably would have been hurtful to me because people probably would have laughed. <laughs> I mean, you know, it would be hard to even imagine that God, that I was, I would never have imagined he would use me. Um, some people have a harder time with this than other people. I'm a pretty quiet person, so it wasn't too hard for me to keep it to myself. But I think a big mistake people make is sharing things too quickly sometimes. Um, I've learned to, I always ask now. He might show me something, but I ask, okay, do you want to share this? Is this for everybody? Is this for a particular person? Or am I just supposed to pray for that person? Um, it can be a hard lesson because if you're if you're someone who wants to just share everything you see, God sometimes only shares secrets with people that can keep them. You know, and some things aren't for everybody's ears, and then some things are for later. It's a time issue. I don't think more than one or two people have ever heard those. Carol, I think, maybe, I don't know if I told anybody else. But tonight was the night to share them. So it's a time issue sometimes. Um, but I think if we really want to move forward with the Lord and in prophetic gifting and stuff, we have to learn to have integrity and sometimes just keep our mouth shut. <laughs> I mean, it's the truth. Um, it'll save you a lot of pain for one thing. And we'll talk more about that. Um, you do need to have someone you can talk to for sure. Um, I should have done something about that sooner, but I was so insecure. It was really hard for me to go and talk to anybody. So I had to get Carol down here. <laughs> That's my sister, y'all, if you don't know. <laughs> she lived in Kansas and I prayed her down here. Yeah, I'm glad to. Okay. 
So that's really all I have for tonight. I would just, I would love to pray over you guys. Um, I want to pray for an increase in our ability to perceive God's presence, to hear him, to see him. And I want to pray an anointing, a seer anointing over y'all. I believe we can do that. And we're not going to compare, you know, everybody's not going to see things the same thing as everybody else, but everybody can take a step up. And so if y'all want to pray that with me, um, Lord, I just, I love how you work. And I just love how you're so patient with us and you know exactly what we need. Even when we're at our worst, you know exactly what we need. And you never lose sight of who we are and who you created us to be. So I just pray right now over this group of people that you would just give them an increased ability to just know your presence, to feel your presence, to see you, Lord. I pray that every single person in here would take a step up tonight. And that it would be something that would just be the beginning of a journey. I know how you'd love to reveal yourself. And I just pray, I just pray that, that they would see the joy. It's not hard. It's the joy of just spending time with you and to learn to draw near to you. And I'm just going to ask for the seer anointing over every person in this place that wants it that you would just pour out more in bigger measures and that you would increase us on the inside so that we would have the capacity to contain it. And I just pray that we'll look back in a year and think, wow, I can't believe how much things have changed. Lord, you know our hearts. I'm so thankful for your heart for us. And I just pray. I absolutely believe you're going to do this, and I just thank you for it in Jesus' name.